Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the IME Podcast. My name is Dominic Kilworth, athlete, personal trainer, business owner, and personal development enthusiast. I'm joined alongside with Jackson Tippett, who is also a personal trainer, influencer, and fitness model. Together, we are your host of this podcast, where with each episode, we'll bring you an inspiring message or person to help you live your best life. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get into it. What is up, guys? We are back with another episode on the IME podcast. We have another guest on board today. I've been loving getting guests on board um, with, you know, reputable information and knowledge. And we have another awesome guest on board today by the name of Jake Campus. He's a nutritionist with a team of 10. Um, with his team, is called Jake Campus Nutrition. He's 36 years of age, uh, current WBFF pro and former IFBB pro. Welcome aboard, Jake. Hey, mate. How you going? Very, very well, man. How's everything going with your business right now? Yeah, look, it's it's been a little bit difficult. I'm sure everyone sort of knows through COVID, NZ has just currently gone into a lockdown. So um, there's managing, you know, getting staff home and working from home and ensuring, um, you know, everyone has what they need to do that. And then there's obviously the flip side of clients, etc., that have limitations around what they can and can't do with all these various restrictions. So definitely makes things a little bit harder but you know that's our job as you know the fitness industry to help people so you just gotta adapt and overcome yeah man so you obviously just got the news yesterday that um you know all shows are cancelled um what what was that like the initial thought and then adapting <coughs> and contacting all your clients yeah look it's it's something that i already had pre-warned everyone about so we all kind of had a bit of a a plan B when it came to that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of heartbreak and devastation with these people that have been preparing for shows. Um, and even just for my other lifestyle clients that aren't preparing for shows, but are, um, you know, had to go into these different various restrictions and lockdowns. It's, it's definitely a hard time for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, hopefully <coughs> they do go ahead even next year. We still don't even know if that's a given. So, um it's just crazy man um tell everyone a little bit about yourself how you started out in the fitness industry what got you into all of this and um yeah just a bit about yourself brother well i started training from a very young age and um hung around one of the only supplement stores at the time uh in my town and hung around so much that he gave me a free magazine like a you know like a muscle magazine i would have read that back to front a hundred times ended up buying some dumbbells, ended up buying some unflavored protein, would flavor that with Milo and, um, you know, started <laughs> training and taking protein shakes and trying to beef up and then found out my uh, math teacher was using the school gym early in the morning. So managed to talk, talk him into letting me in. So I biked to school nice and early and figure my way around um, the school gym with my knowledge I've learned from this magazine and kind of got hooked from there, ended up getting two sport and exercise science scholarships straight out of high school uh, to study my degree in sport, sport and exercise science, um, in which I continued on with a postgraduate degree and master's in nutrition, physiology and rehabilitation. Um, and that kind of where it all led me down this road here. I have owned a supplement store, two gyms, 
supplement company, food prep company, um, food, I currently have uh, shares in a food bag company. Um, I also have uh, part, half owner of the WBFFNZ and obviously my nutrition company, J Campus Nutrition. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of things that I do as well as compete as a WBFF pro and um, coach elite athletes. We coach uh, a lot of uh, lifestyle clients as well through our uh, New Zealand team, which is uh, has a face-to-face office in NZ, and we also cater to worldwide clients um, online. So, yeah, that's pretty much the short version of me. Short, but fucking sounds intense. Um, mm. Sound like you got a lot going on, man, and, um, you know, it's clearly paying off, so credit to you. Um, what's the most enjoyable part of your job? Like, obviously, you're doing a lot of different things. What What do you really get the passion out of? Look, I think I'll forever love seeing people achieve, you know, results and helping people uh, to, to their goals and get results. You know, a lot of my passion now is obviously in the high-performance area with athletes and competitors um, just because it's kind of that next level of, knowledge required to either get someone on stage or a fighter ready for a fight or a rugby player you know being able to recover from 16 sessions a week um so yeah there's there's plenty that i enjoy from the coaching aspect of it and then i also love business i love creating ideas and then building things to be something that you know is a working running business so i I enjoy the business aspect of it as well yeah, and then Walker, you started out to wanting to compete. Was it just an addiction with, you know, chasing a better image of your body or was there more to it? Not even that. Like I did enjoy seeing my body change, but I think I liked being able to compare my changes and train for something that, you know, you can either win or lose. I've always played sports since five years old. I've competed every single year in something for since I was five years old until last year, which the first year I didn't compete in anything because of COVID. So, you know, I've got 30 years, three decades of competitiveness in me. So um, for me, it's not just body image, but more so enjoying being able to be better and, you know, like compete and be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And you started out um, in the IFBB, which I only just uh, realized before this phone call. Um, So, what was that like? You said you went to the Olympia. What was that like leading up to the preparation for that? So I won my pro card in um, the IFBB in men's physique in 2014, and that was around October. Then from there, I essentially got on stage as a pro for the first time in May 2015, the very next year. So I literally came off the back of winning my pro card, had a little mini off-season, and then got straight back into dieting. Flew to Phoenix, Arizona, where I did my first pro show, which was the IFBB Pro Dennis James Classic. And I, next thing you know, I'm being called out with one other guy being compared to, you know, the local guy and ended up taking a very close second to him. Um, coming off stage, had the judges and, you know, Dennis James himself, you know, congratulating me and, Next thing I know, a week later, I was off to Colorado and competed in the Colorado Pro Show. 
um, where I placed second, I actually bet Brendan Hendricks, who was a 2019 Mr. Olympia. He won it. So back then I, I bet him, which was pretty amazing. Um, and that, at that point in time, I sort of thought, well, fuck, one more show and I can either win that show and go to the Olympia or if I don't win it and place in the top three, I'll be on the points table high enough to go to the Olympia. So eight weeks later, I went back to the US and went to uh, Dallas, Texas, did the pro show there. Um, lost to the local guy, the local pro, got second again, but I did beat Logan Franklin, who's now um, quite well-known in classic. And that was pretty pretty cool to, you know, he was a pretty big name back then as well and pretty cool to, you know, be up there with him. And that got me basically um, second on the points table and then that landed me a spot in the Olympia, which was about six or seven weeks after that and ended up flying over there so once you get to olympia they pay for your flights your accommodation they give you a food budget and um it's pretty insane you know i got picked up from the airport in a limo taken to the hotel given all my e-cards for my room then you go to the olympia meeting they give you all your tracksuit all your money for food they pick up on a big black bus and take you to the expo it's crazy it's very very crazy Wow, man! I never actually knew you competed against Logan Franklin. Um, yeah, well, the the Olympia I went to, um, Sadiq Poston and Jeremy Bondia were the top guys at the time. You were in the same class as them. Yeah. Wow, that's. I was pumping up Sadiq, um, Lucky Labrada, Brendan Hendricks, um, Jeremy Poston. Yeah. Man, that's huge. Those are some big names that are all still competing. Um, yeah, yeah. So so. I'm cool. pretty close with Poston. Like, we talk every now and then. He's a cool dude. Um, Sadiq was a bit, like, he, he pumped up away from everyone else. Same with Jeremy. They kind of, like, had that beef, you know, so they were all separated. And actually, <laughs> went out the night, uh, the night of the Olympia, went out with um, Lucky Labrada, which was pretty cool. Wow, that's awesome. So what actually made you, like, that's the question. Obviously, that's, like, the end goal for everyone that's trying to compete right now. So then what made you not want to keep going and doing that and continue it? Look, like I'm not saying I don't want to put down the IFBB, but when you're at that level, you know, like I walked out on stage and my name was called out and I didn't even see the judges sort of look up. It kind of gets to that point where they, they know who they are looking for. Um, And I kind of just saw, all the work that I put in and it wasn't really being viewed. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe if I'd gone back and kept banging away and got more of a name, then maybe it would have been different. But, you know, stepping on stage and not really seeing any of the judges lift their head is kind of a little bit disheartening, um, even though, you know, I've bet some pretty big names and done really well. Um, it's just one of those things. And after the whole experience, I kind of, I still loved competing and... I still loved, you know, training and I just don't know if I want to, that kind of like took a little bit away of my passion for it. Um, and then I saw the WBFF and the muscle models and, you know, you can have, uh, you know, show your legs and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, you know, that kind of motivated me to continue to want to train, you know, I wanted to be, you know, top 10 in the world and that, and if possible, you know, eventually, top five in the world for that so i started my journey down that road and 2019 i placed ninth at the worlds which is pretty cool 
um, obviously haven't competed since due to all this COVID stuff, but um, yeah, still still training and working towards that as the, the end goal to get back to the WBFF Worlds and, you know, keep pushing forward with progress. Yeah, so if you if you had the opportunity to go back and um, step on the Olympia stage, you, you wouldn't or you would? Yeah, I would. I would. I think I'm not sure that men's physique is the, the, the class I would want to be in. I quite, you know, I want to show my full physique. Um, but at the time when I was competing in men's physique, I had horrendous patella tendonitis where I was getting cortisone injections in my knees and I couldn't really train my legs. So I literally couldn't even squat 60 kilos. So I've had to really work myself back up to that level. And yeah, now I'm able to squat much, much more than that. And my knees are, are finally starting to cooperate. So I sort of want to be able to show show the wheels off as well. So if I did ever go back to IFBB, I'd want to build myself into a classic physique look rather than a men's physique look. Yeah, I think that is the that is the look right now. You know, the classic, I think it's the next biggest thing. I think it's going to – I don't even know, but I think it could take over bodybuilding in the future. Um, people don't reckon it will, but I, I have a different belief. I think it's just such a cleaner, symmetrical, aesthetic look. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely think you. I agree with you there, man. Like, you know, I think a lot of people gravitate towards that golden era look and – the mass monsters that were of the 80s and 90s and 2000s are starting to be fewer and fewer. Even when you go to, you know, regional bodybuilding shows, there's, there's much more men's physique and classic than there are, you know, weight bodybuilders. And I think that's one people prefer to more sort of athletic, shapely look. Um, but also, you know, it, it takes a lot from a PED and food perspective and genetics to be an elite um, heavyweight bodybuilder. So it's not, it's, I think a lot of people kind of look at that and say, oh, well, you know, it's not really a road they want to go down. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I kind of, I never competed, but that's why I got out of trying to be so big and, you know, all of that. I felt like there were so many downsides to it um, and just the lifestyle you can't really maintain that lifestyle outside of gym and food, if that makes sense. So oh, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're eating seven, eight times a day to get all the food in and every hour and a half, two hours, you sort of got to put a meal down and you don't really it become so much food that you're tired and your motivation for other things becomes harder. And, you know, like I've, I've done it, I've got up to 120 kilos and been smashing, you know, 8,000 calories a day. And that, for me was much, much harder than dieting for any comp just because of the sheer amount of, you know, tiredness that from eating all that food and feeling full and sluggish and then, you know, like the preparation of all that food. It's a lot, you know? Yeah. And like I was more looking at yeah, 50, 60, you know what I mean? Like that's what you got to look at more. It's not about the now, it's about the future. And I think, you know, with social media, it's become much, much more prominent for us to see the number of high-profile, bigger pro bodybuilders that and, you know, it's all linked to, obviously, what they're doing to their bodies to some degree. Um, you know, a lot of them will, will say there's underlying conditions, but, you know, when there is underlying conditions, the harder you push 
the performance enhancing side of things, the faster those things become a problem. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Out of the both preps of your IPB Pro Card to your WBFF Pro Card, did you find one more enjoyable and one harder or not necessarily? I, I, all of my... So I'd say the IFBB one was harder, but not from a, a way of... It was harder for me to reach that conditioning. I actually had four weeks out from the Nationals where I got my Pro Card... I had a, an emergency surgery that I had to have done because I had um, I had something happen to my ear and they had to cut into the back of my ear and do a bit of surgery there. And then I was taking a jersey off and it hooked under and actually busted all the stitches in my ear. And one of the stitches um, nicked one of the arteries in the back of my ear. So I just started pissing out blood. I lost two litres of blood um, and they had to have put to emergency surgery, but I didn't want anaesthetic. So they just numbed the ear and I um, lay there awake while they lifted my ear off and closed up the vein and then sewed my ear back on. So um, after losing that much blood, then going into the last four weeks of that prep for my pro card, it was, that was very difficult. Yeah. Wow. That's hectic, man. <laughs> I've heard some um, crazy stories with competing. What's the craziest story you've heard with another client of a coach or um, maybe a horror story or, you know, dieting or something like that? you heard some you know fucked up stuff yeah yeah so so the probably the craziest thing i've ever heard back when i was living in nz there was a probe that um had sort of been found to be using um methamphetamines like crack meth ice whatever you want to call it to help with fat loss and subside hunger and that was fucked to me you know like <laughs> you know you're using a uh, using meth to you know assist your bodybuilding preppers that was crazy to me and that's the, the most wild thing i've ever heard anyone doing you're kidding me so they've used meth like to um enhance fat loss and suppress appetite yeah wow i've actually never heard that <laughs> that's um yeah man, that's so, crazy <laughs> like why can't you just um at home that's definitely not recommended but it's a crazy story it just goes to show you what some people will do to themselves to, you know, get to that level. Yeah, man. Like I've heard some, I don't know if you uh, listen to Leo and Boston's uh, podcast on YouTube. Yeah, I've heard Boston Lloyd. I haven't listened to him and Leo though. Yeah. So they, you, do you know Shelby Starnes? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll literally link you this after this. So they've just done a podcast two days ago and they've called him the, the silent killer. And they've, they've got guests on to talk about um, what Shelby Starnes has put them on as a protocol. And this one girl jumps on the phone and like they get a live phone call come in and she describes how she was on um, over 150 MCGs of clenbuterol, yeah. um, over 150 MCGs of T3, sure. added in DNP, wow. seven other different compounds, oh. two hours of Stairmaster, and an only protein diet, no fat, no carbs. Fucking hell, that's wild. And it's just crazy, man. Like, do you really need to go to the extreme to get lean? Like, what's your thoughts on all of this? Like, why are people doing this? Honestly, if, if, if it requires that much cardio, that much fat burners, and um, no carbs or fat, then there's something metabolically really bad going on behind the scenes. Um, maybe if the person had done back-to-back -back preps like that, 
or you know being mismanaged and abused fat burners in the past their body just isn't responding anymore so you, you know they're throwing everything but including the kitchen sink at it um what goes up must come down and that's going to come down real fast real hard so you know yes the, the person might get results and they might win a pro card or a pro show or whatever but after that they're going to have a, a massive rebound in terms of like dropping off that much fat burners and then increasing you know their food and then dropping off that much cardio um then the hormonal effects of coming off all those other compounds as well that's a massive recipe for disaster on the endocrine system yeah so if someone was coming to you and they they were struggling to drop fat and they were already doing say an hour of stairmaster uh you know virtually zero carbs um, weight sessions every day is there a protocol you would type of um, use to help them drop more fat or is it more that the fact they might need to reset and actually add food back in the second so if someone's already doing all of those key things and you, you've you know looked at the cost of their, their energy output versus their energy intake and they're being diligent you know it, it sounds like there's been a lot of metabolic adaptation occur over the course of that diet or in the past one thing they would benefit from is actually giving their body a break giving their body some time getting food back up as high as possible especially carbohydrates um while reducing activity down over the off season and be you know out of a deficit for m- most of the time time on diet should be time off diet but in that case it may be you know 1.5 to two times time off diet um time on diet to be off diet yeah man it's so how does that work like i i obviously know it works but for the listeners a lot of girls and even guys they would get afraid or scared um if you tell them to add more food in when they're already struggling to lose fat if that makes sense so could you just just quickly explain the process of how that can actually work to help get more results so it would be an incremental approach so you wouldn't just go cool here's you know let's say you're eating 1400 calories or 1200 calories doing all this cardio you wouldn't just go cool we're going to go up to 2000 calories no cardio you'd slowly have to taper off the cardio so you know drop your cardio by 20% the first week let your body then the second week you would you know increase their carbohydrates by 15 or 20% let their body adjust and then once they start maintaining weight that shows up that their metabolic systems are starting to like basically come back to life in terms of um not being so suppressed which allows us then to continue to add more food periodically and slowly reduce cardio periodic- periodically which will mean there's less impact on fat accumulation as we periodically manage all of those variables and getting us to a point where eventually you're doing you know minimal cardio you can reduce your training volume and you're eating you know maintenance or slightly above maintenance calories with a sufficient amount of carbohydrates you know 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight you know 0.7 to 1 gram of fat per kilo of body weight all of those things yeah very interesting man um what is your number one tip for someone that wants to get on stage do a proper off season first work with you know a nutritionist or coach whatever you want to do and build your calories up get really good at doing all your compound exercises and build a good base of strength and then go into a deficit from there because if you build that platform good enough your prep will be easier 
because your body has a higher starting point, higher set rate for your metabolism, higher set baseline for your calories, plus those compound exercises, you can carry that strength through your prep, which is going to maintain more muscle. Um, as we know, compound exercises are much more demanding as well. So, you know, you burn more calories through your session than someone who goes in and, you know, just does some machine work. So, you know, there's th that would be my key is to the off-season will definitely benefit your pre-contest phase. Do you still believe in having an off... So a lot of people, they're not worried about size. They just want to stay lean, uh, fit, uh, athletic year-round. Do you still believe in building the metabolism up or is it fine for someone to stay like that? It just means they're not going to put on added tissue and stuff like that. So from that... Uh, body composition point of view, you're correct. But from a health point of view, that can be disastrous. Remember, when you're eating food, you're getting vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, things that fight off free radicals that cause, you know, illnesses, cancers. So if you're eating a very limited amount of food, so restricted calories and restricted food groups, over time, you're not really giving your body sufficient nutrients to be able to remain healthy and feel good. So you want to kind of build your calories up to a certain degree once you're lean to a point where you're maintaining your weight and your body composition, but you're also getting a, like a variety of foods and, and you're, you know, you're working at that sort of maintenance level. You're not staying in this super deficit sort of environment. Yeah. Great points, man. Um, there's a lot of, lot of myths going around with the whole uh, bro dieting as opposed to flexible dieting for people listening the bro dieting is more like you always see on uh, plans or you hear about it. It's like your your chicken, your broccoli, your rice. But then you've got these people that are bringing out the flexible dieting approach, which means you can get the exact same results, but you can live a flexible life. So you can incorporate foods that you would normally not be able to have on a so-called diet and still get results. It's all just within your calorie restriction. What is your take on both of these and which do you stand for? I actually stand for neither. I, I think bro dieting, again, that goes back to that nutrients. You know, if you're only using five different foods in your whole diet, you're missing out on a range of nutrients. Now, flexible dieting, if you're, you know, using calories on fitting treat food into your diet, again, you're not fitting in sufficient nutrients. So, yes, you might body composition changes you want, um, and mentally you have the things that you enjoy, but if you're sacrificing those for um lack nutrient-less food, then again, that's not the right way to do it either. For me, it's about balanced dieting. There should be sufficient variety in all the foods that you're getting primarily from whole food sources, you know, so, you know, whole food proteins, whole food carbs, fruits and vegetables, and then fitting in the things that you want to fit in as well. So there's that little portion of balance in there as well. Um, that would be my way to do it. And whether you do that with a meal plan that has various options, whether you do that with flexible dieting using a macro approach and just ensure that, hey, you know, like 80% of your food is coming from those sources, whether you do it from an intuitive eating point of view, any of those approaches will work provided you're consistent with it. And my take-home point would be, you know, go for the best stuff for your body most of the time. Yeah, great points, man. So you would never say no to stuff like dairy, fruit, no. and stuff like that in a prep? Never. Dairy would only be if it upsets someone. You know, some people are lactose intolerant. Um, they don't produce the enzymes required to break down um, dairy. Some people may have issues with fructose as well. You can get people who are allergic to fructose. So provided it gives them no um, gastric issues and no discomfort, then 
I would recommend, you know, continuing with a variety of foods. Um, the only thing is, you know, a week before a show, we do tend to make things a little bit more restricted just in terms of our uh, macro calorie and I guess look management point of view, but that's one week out of 52. So why is there so many people that are afraid of um, all of these, like you probably call them myths, but why, why people say like, Oh, I can't have fruit in prep or got to cut dairy or, you know, keep the carbs low after 6 PM. What, where did that all come about? That's misinformation. And it's just, I think with the internet, people can go and, write a post or put something on a blog or their favorite influencer will have this crazy idea that they're going to do this or that. And so then that information gets passed around and it's just hearsay. Um, And unfortunately it happens with everything. It's like, even with the COVID-19, you see so many different people with so many different views and theories. It doesn't mean that those are correct, that they are just theories. same with the crazy 5G towers stuff. And, you know, there's always going to be someone that has a very outlandish view and then passes that view on. And people start to accept that as fact when there's no reason or no science to back it up. And I think that's the thing with nutrition is there's been too many people in the past that don't have the education out there coaching people or prepping people. And just like you said with Shelby Starnes, using a shit ton of other things that no one knows about that then they, they, this person becomes like a, a go-to source of information when really it's not information, it's misinformation. Yeah, man. I love the knowledge you're putting out there and I appreciate you, um, appreciate you, you know, sharing all your info because, you know, this is pretty much what you coach for. So it's, um, it's great to see it. Like I just, you know, love helping people. And I think a little bit of this information can go a long way if someone's listening and they're a bit unsure of what to do or, how to go about things. I want to ask you just two last questions. Uh, first of all, cardio is a massive, massive part of most people's lives that are trying to lose body fat. First of all, is it needed? Second of all, if you do implement it, are you a fan of um, like high intensity cardio, sprints, etc., Or would you just say to your clients, go do a low intensity cardio like steps? So there's, a, there's quite a few points to that. So first of all, steps is more of about uh, more about uh, energy. I think I wouldn't normally use steps as a, a form of cardio. It would be more to manage their energy output uh, from day to day. So, you know, fixing steps at a certain level or adding more steps as they're, you know, becoming less active as a way to um, modulate uh, the amount of movement they're doing outside of exercise. Secondly, uh, I think cardio should be in everyone's plan to a certain degree, even if you're just a, a lifestyle person, just for a, a health point of view, again, heart and lungs, those sorts of things. The amount some people may not to do may not need to do very much at all. Like I've got guys that, you know, may only do 30 minutes a couple of times a week and, you know, I'm, I keep their steps at 10K and then the, just the diet does the rest of the work. So that's going to be case dependent because you look at someone who's, say, a builder, on a building site and they're moving all day every day very physical job they're not going to need cardio or as much cardio as say the 50 kilo bikini that's in an office all day and doesn't really move so the rest of your lifestyle factors are going to be based on that as well then from a hit versus low intensity so let's say someone you know doing cross training or treadmill at a steady state heart rate versus someone doing bike sprints again i wouldn't get my heavyweight or classic body doing hit training for the simple fact that 
their nervous system is already taxed from deadlifting 200 plus kilos every week and squatting plus kilos every week and benching 150 plus kilos every week. They've got a lot of neurological demands placed upon them. And then high intensity interval training is another neurological demand that sometimes uh, can't be met from a recovery perspective. Also, the heavier people, so the likelihood of, you know, them smashing it out on a treadmill bike is they could become higher prone to an injury or a muscle tear um, doing those sort of explosive activities. Um, so I would normally not use HIT in those scenarios. Um, I would normally use just more low intensity cardio. But for some of my bikini girls who are um, very small, slight, come from a sporting or an explosive background, um, then HIT training can be a great way for them to also fat loss as well so and sometimes it's a balance because you know i don't want to give people hips six days a week and then weight training four or five days a week as well they simply won't recover from that so it's about balancing recovery with energy output and that's going to come down to a case-by-case scenario yeah very 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 interesting (laughs) um i feel like i could just ask you questions all day (laughs) but um yeah no we can't do that um (laughs) i want to First of all, I just want to ask you if you were, um, if you could have any wish in this world uh, right now, what's one wish you would wish to see change or want in the world? In the world right now? Just something uh, that you just wish could change or um, be different. I, honestly, I'd have to say this, this COVID stuff, you know, it's worldwide affecting everyone. It's not just isolated to one part of the world. Every person in this world has had an impact on it. And I would love to see everyone's freedoms return. I would love to see everyone be able to spend time with their friends and family, particularly with Christmas coming up. Um, I would love to see those people who no longer have jobs and businesses be able to regain financial control from all of that. So it's just had such a big impact economically, socially, and mentally for, for everyone worldwide. I can totally agree with that 100%. Um, and let's just pray that it does change because it's affecting many lives. Uh, it's yeah. crazy right now. If you, I've got to ask all my guests this, but uh, but just a bit of a fun question. If you could um, go out and in, have dinner with three people, anyone in the world, uh, past or current, who would you pick and why? So if you could invite three people to dinner, anyone in the world, who would you pick and why? Um, my papa, who passed away when I was young, I never got to really truly meet him. Um, so that would be my first one. Um, my second one would be The Rock, because he's just <laughs> he's just a good human being, and I just feel like he would have a ton of stories. Um, and the third one would be Muhammad Ali. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. um. That's a good combo. That's so funny, man, because I got asked this on another podcast and I actually said my granddad. Yeah. I said The Rock and I said Mike Tyson. Oh, I was going to say Mike Tyson. He's my next favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. There's there's just something about Mike Tyson that literally just gives you tingles when you watch him. Oh, I've got, I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. Side note, I've got all of his fights on original VCR from when I said that I would buy them or record them and watch them. Yeah, he's um, oh man, he's still got it in him to this day. Like yeah. I, I saw a video of him sparring. I think it was a week ago, and I was like, "You're crazy, man!" Like <laughs> you are and just. He would have so many stories, and 
you know he's got he's got this real open outlook on stuff and he's now like got his own marijuana manufacturing company <laughs> Fucking, yeah he would be someone like, totally interesting to talk to for sure 100 percent, man um that that's a great yeah great three people though um i just want to leave everyone exactly where they can find you um who exactly you take on board in terms of your services and um, if you have any positions available. So, yeah, so my website is www.jcm.co.nz. Instagram is Jake Campus Nutrition, one word. Um, we take on all clients. So lifestyle clients from fat loss to pregnancy to vegan to any goals. Um, we work with that with our life online um, and we also have our performance plan where we work with athletes as well so competition prep on season off season fighters race car drivers rugby players you name it we've got sports nutritionists that can specialize help you reach your goals in that arena as well and you take on um rehabilitation or not yep so if people have injuries we can work with them with in terms of their nutrition we won't provide training programs for injuries um, I tend to leave that up to the physiotherapist, um, but we do provide training for other clients if needed as well. And we have like a training hub where we constantly update with different workouts and we have, you know, new home workouts and stuff going up for people who are in lockdown and other strength training ones for ones that aren't. So, yeah, so we can kind of cover all that. Amazing, man. Well, um, sounds like you got your hands full. I just want to ask you one question personally too. Do you cap your clients or how do you, Obviously, you have people working with you, but does it get to a point where, I don't know, say you just keep getting more and more clients, like how do you manage all that or do you just hire more trainers? So I hire qualified nutritionists from university. So over the time, we have had to cap our numbers at certain points of time just as we've grown and we don't have to continue to offer the the service we want to. Um, but we've just, we're always adding nutritionists and training every nutritionist has a nutrition degree and then is trained by uh, myself and my team for over 100 hours before they even start working with us then once they start working with us everything's overseen by myself if you're not working with me if you're working with one of my team and if you're working with me then you're working direct with me but as i said i tend to only work with um select clients because um i have quite a busy schedule running the company and these other things that i do as well yeah, amazing, man. Well, once again, um, I really appreciate you coming on board. I think this episode's going to get a lot of good um, interaction because um, all you've done is just give proper good information and tips out. So um, for everyone listening, um, I appreciate you um, jumping in and listening. I hope you get something out of this. Please go give Jake a follow. And um, if you do need any help in terms of anything regarding all of what he's just said, um, he will get back to you. And I know he's good at what he does. So um, once again, thanks for coming on board, Jake. You're very welcome, bro. Thank you for inviting me. Much love. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. And um, we will see you for the next episode.